Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What up, everybody? Welcome into the College Chaos Podcast. I'm Garrett Ross, alongside my man Jack McKenzie and Emery Winter over there holding us down, making sure we look and sound almost as good as them LSU Tigers did the other oh, night. Oh, God, not this again. Ah, I tried to get the boys to change the intro to neck. They shot me down. But, yeah, you know. That's not happening. You know, it's just, it is what it is. But another natty. Feels good. Feels good. I bet it does. Yeah, I Even know. when you have to watch Kim Mulkey celebrate it. Well, look, uh, I'm not big on that. <laughs> but, hey, uh, you know, a ring's a ring. And it, it just is what it is. It, it's good vibes on the bayou. But right now, we are going to yeah, talk. Speaking of a ring's a ring. A ring's a ring, yeah. So, we're going to talk about the defending Big 12 football champions, the K-State Wildcats. Emory and I had an opportunity to go up to Jerry World last year and watch them do what really no team other than Georgia was able to do and take care of TCU. And to do that, we are going to be joined by Jeff Burkhart, the host of the College and Kimball podcast. Jeff, man, what's up? How are you doing? Uh, doing good, man. Doing good. Appreciate y'all having me on here. Always excited to talk ball, uh, especially as we trudge through uh, the summer months. Uh, these drag on forever. What June especially, but man, once you get to July, you could start to smell it a little bit, and you know you got media days coming up here, and then before you know it, fall camps around and and seasons here. So I'm excited to talk ball. Yeah. So K State's really intriguing, and I think when you can't really talk about the Wildcats this season without addressing the elephant in the room, and that's Deuce Vaughn uh, taking his exit and being drafted by the Cowboys. I know that was a cool moment for the family with his dad being able to announce it as he works no with the organization. But as far as the rushing attack goes this year, you bring in Trayshawn Ward, who I'm really excited to watch the transfer from Florida State you also have DJ Giddens back so what are the expectations for that rushing attack and how do you see the what are some of the similarities and differences that people can expect this year expectations are still very high a lot of people just anticipating plug and play with Trayshawn Ward and if you look at his career numbers at Florida State there there's there's justification there, no doubt about that. He's rushed for over 1,200 yards in his time in Tallahassee, averaged better than 6.6 .6 per carry, and, and not an insignificant amount of carries, almost 200 lifetimes. So he's an explosive guy. Uh, an interview I did hear him say he compares himself more to a, a Le'Veon Bell type, and I don't really associate Le'Veon Bell with the explosive hit a home run, you know, a threat to hit a home run anytime he touches the ball type, much more of a patient runner. So we'll see on that front. I, I still think he, he's definitely going to be more of the lightning to the compliment uh, uh, to DJ Giddens there. Giddens was kind of the, the closer, if you will, in my mind for last year. You have to deal with Deuce Vaughn for three quarters, and you saw the offensive coaches say, okay, fourth quarter, now we got 6'2", 220 coming downhill at you, and you, do, you didn't want to take those shots. Baylor fans very much aware of that from a couple years ago with, with Tristan Ebner and, and Abram Smith. Those guys just beating you up down after down for four quarters and you didn't want to you didn't want to deal with that smoke once you got to the fourth quarter so i, I still think this is going to be a very dynamic rushing attack i i, I just i i caution those k-state fans out there that just expect Trayshawn ward to come in and give you the same level of production that you know just 1500 yards that deuce vaughn gave you last season he was a very special runner so i think he's going to be hard to replace so i think you're going to see a much more equitable equitable split on the carries between those two very excited to see what colin does with these two pieces going into this season though yeah jeff another another question at least i have on the offensive side I'm wondering who's going to step up at wide receiver. I mean, Malik Knowles is gone, right, I believe. So sure. Um, who's going to step up? Who's going to be that guy that allows Will Howard to rack up the stats to keep that a truly dual threat offense? 
Yeah, Malik had had a great year last year, career highs in receptions and yards, and really burst onto the scene in a way that a lot of K State fans would hope that that he would going into that final year of his career. They're looking to Keegan Johnson to be the guy who steps up. He was an Iowa transfer, uh, had 18 catches, 352 yards, a couple of touchdowns as a freshman, almost 20 yards per catch there. So a guy who's a a threat to take the top off for sure. Uh, Size-wise, doesn't really stack up in the same way. He's only six foot and, and 193 pounds. So doesn't necessarily give you that that same ability and that same confidence level that you had when you, you could just throw it up to Malik and he hoped that he could go out there and high point it being at about six, three. So he had the size Keegan Johnson doesn't necessarily have that element to his game, but uh, at the end of the day, I still feel like K state got one of the, the most highly sought after transfers on the market this past season. Uh, he was the 19th rated athlete per on, uh, excuse me on, on three. So Got him coming in there. You'll also have Jaden Jackson. He was a transfer from Ole Miss. Uh, didn't play a lot for K-State last season. He was able to preserve his red shirt. So he's going to be another guy look to, looking to step in and fill that void. Uh, you, you had another big hit, too, when you lo- lose Cade Warner, a guy who had 40-plus catches last year. So Jaden Jackson is another one to look at. R.J. Garcia, a Sophomore, six foot, 176 pounds, and that's that's dripping wet. I, I, he's a very lean guy, so not necessarily going to be a very physical receiver. Only had seven catches last year. Did have the big 25 yard touchdown catch in that Big 12 championship game that y'all talked about against TCU. So. It's it's going to be a committee approach after Keegan Johnson. You've got Sterling Lockett, Tyson Struber, Trey Spivey was a very highly sought after uh, incoming freshman. So K-State beat out Oklahoma State, Arizona State, Wisconsin to get him. He was the number 78 wide receiver per 247. So we'll see. I, I think Keegan Johnson is going to absolutely be able to fill in and give you the same type of production that you had with Malik Knowles. But, but after that, it's... It's going to be a lot of unknown. I think there's a lot of apprehension there, uh, at least on my side. Uh, you do retain Phillip Brooks, but still, there there's definitely some question marks at that position for Kansas State. Well, as the offense goes, I mean, everything's going to rely on re- really returning all of your offensive linemen, but Will Howard. And I don't think anybody sure. was really expecting the type of season he had last year. How do you see his progression this year? And as far as, like, the, the room as a whole, like, I know you got young guys like Avery Johnson. I'm really excited to see what he can do in the future. Uh, but where does Will Howard stand amongst, the like, the Big 12 ranks with quarterbacks in your eyes? And how, what kind of steps can we see him take this season? Honestly, I think Will Howard at this point in his career just pick up where you left off. He he made that really monumental jump last season. Uh, we saw the yards per attempt go up from 6.8 to 8.2. Did a great job pushing the ball down the field with some consistency. So if he just can really maintain that same level of production, I think that that would be massive uh, for Kansas State. I think com- completion percentage, that's one area where he did lack a little bit. He was below 60%, not just barely last year. So I think you'd like to see that tick up and, and get into the mid to upper 60s going into this season. But uh, as, as far as where he ranks amongst the Big 12 quarterbacks, I think you have every reason to believe that he is one of the top two to three. I know everybody and their brother is really high on Jalen Daniels, uh, despite the fact that Will Howard put up better numbers and arguably against better competition last season. So uh, kind of a surprise to see Will Howard not getting when you're starting to look at your preseason mags and everything, everything starting to see who's going to be pegged as first team or second team. And a lot of love for Quinn Ewers justifiably. So, but I, I think Will Howard's probably the one best positioned to be that first team, all big 12 quarterback this season. Um, Quinn Ewers has got a lot on his plate. You don't have the convenience now of just being able to hand the ball off to Bijan or Roshan and into monsters at running back anymore. So it's going to be all on him this season. And, I think with Jalen at KU, I think there's a little bit of, okay, we've had a year to see now what KU really looks like. And again, the the way that they kind of fizzled out at the end of last season too, I think there's, there's an element of 
can can KU actually come in and reproduce this now that we kind of know what this passing attack is going to look like as far as Andy Kolonecki's offense goes. So I think Will Howard, again, is, is best positioned to be the first team all Big 12 quarterback. Again, it's just a matter of can some of those unknowns at wide receiver step up and give you the same level of production that you had last year with Malik and Cade Warner? That's the big question in my mind. But I still, if I gun to the head today if if you were to ask me to put his name on a ballot i would say he's first team all big 12 in my mind heading into the season yeah i think honestly i feel like there's a lot of certainty and security there just because of the way he produced last year um kind of playing off of that i don't see much certainty or security in the defense i only see four returning starters they're mm-hmm. they're peppered throughout so you've got guys at the different levels but are there many defensive concerns up in Manhattan and how do you see that playing out? So the, the way that things have kind of shaken out in the secondary K state's really going to be looking at uh, five new faces full time. Uh, you had VJ Payne uh, come on the scene towards the end of last season after K-State really had sustained a, a bunch of injuries. You lo- lose Kobe Savage during the Baylor game. You lost Sincere Mason. So uh, you had to throw a true freshman into the fire. And, and he actually he absolutely stepped up to the task. And he had 10 tackles in the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. I think B.J. Payne, and, and by all accounts, coaches are saying he is just a sponge. And he is going to be able to, to really be able to point guys in the right direction. So you'll have some 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 presence there's some experience there i should say uh as far as one of those safety positions goes the big question kobe savage can he return to form after his season ending injury against baylor he was very highly thought of he was second team all big 12 last year and that was with him missing more or less four conference games so that shows you the level of production that they had so how quickly can he rebound from his injury is is going to be a big question. Uh, Jacob Parrish uh, played as a true freshman uh, defensive back out of Olathe North uh, here just right down the road uh, from Manhattan. I I think he's poised to have another breakout year. Um, They're going to throw a lot of bodies though at at the rest of those secondary positions and they've been pretty good I I will say at plugging and playing. They lost three safeties heading into last year uh, when they lost Russ Yeast to the draft, lost Jerron McPherson, lost Reggie Stubblefield. They plugged in uh, the aforementioned Kobe Savage plugged in Sincere Mason, plugged in Josh Hayes, and Josh Hayes ended up getting drafted. And, and again, yet an All Big Twelve type performer in Kobe Savage. So, I I don't have as much concern on that side of the ball. Uh, defensive coordinator uh, Joe Klanderman, that is, the safety position is the group that he works with directly. So, I think K State will be pretty safe on that front. This will also be the third year in this three three five stack, and I think there's a, a fair amount of understanding uh, just from the returning players that will be coming back in terms of roles and responsibility. So I I still feel pretty confident about this group. It's still tough to say, are you going to be able to just plug in for a guy like Julius Brents who ends up going in the second round? Uh, Josh Hayes, again, the uh, aforementioned Hayes, he wasn't even honorable mention Big 12, but he ended up getting drafted in the sixth round. Can you fill in those holes and get the same level of production? That's the big question in my mind. Like I said, though, I, I have, I have a fair amount of confidence in Klanderman's group. He's he's done this before, and I have no reason to believe that he can't do it again. We're talking with Josh Jeff Burkhart, the host of the College and Kimball podcast. And Jeff, I know people in Waco are really excited as far as the schedule and how it benefits Baylor this year with most of their big games coming at home. And that's something that they didn't have last year. And K-State's kind of the opposite, man. I was looking at your schedule, and most of your big games are on the road, including back-to-backs at Oklahoma State and at Texas Tech. You also go to Texas and Kansas, but you don't play Oklahoma. What are... Like, what is the vibe around the schedule up in Manhattan, and how do you see this shaking out or maybe negatively impacting the uh, Wildcats? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, the front half is just a landmine. Uh, you and even uh, in the non-con, because you draw a nine and three Southeast Missouri State team that won the Ohio Valley last year, went to the FCFs playoffs. So you have a, a tough 
tough FCS squad coming in week one. You have Troy best season coming off the best season in program history, going 12 and two winners of the Sunbelt conference. And then you have to go play at Mizzou and playing at an SEC team. I, I mean, that's one of those where, you know, the guys will be up for it and hopefully, hopefully some of those question marks that you have, you're able to work through in weeks one and two, but uh, th those aren't gimmies. Those aren't layups that you have in the first couple of weeks. So you, you, you need to find a way to start the season off two and oh, and climb into to that point is also just really struggled for some reason against these G five teams, K-State stubbing its toe last year at home against Tulane a couple of years ago in the COVID season, they gagged a double digit lead against Arkansas state so that they have to find a way to get that Troy game right out, out the gate. Cause I think that's going to set up nicely. If you can get that game, that game against Mizzou, is per a, a lot of the metrics that I've looked at ESPN's FPI has it as more or less a coin flip game. I'm not super high on Mizzou this year, even though they do have a lot of starters coming back. I believe they have 15 total coming back. I, I think that's a game Kansas state can absolutely get. And then they can set themselves up to potentially go one and two in that, that stretch where you have to open up big 12 play at home against UCF, which has the highest projected win total. Uh, if you're looking at some of the Vegas odds. So I, I don't feel particularly great about the front half of the schedule, but my, my, the benchmark I'm looking at, can you go four and two through the first half? Because if you get to the back half, you only leave the state of Kansas once, uh, after October 14th. And that's for that road game against KU K states, one 14 consecutive against the Jayhawks. I think you, you'll be in a good position. Uh, again, if you find a way to go four and two through that first half of the season, you'll be in a great spot. Uh, even if you drop that game against Mizzou, but you get two out of your first three in big 12 play, I, I would feel great about K state having an opportunity to, get it to Arlington and defend its big 12 crown because getting Houston at home, getting TCU at home, Baylor at home. Those are, those are games. If you had to play those on the road, I'd be a little iffy about, but I feel pretty confident about all of them coming to Manhattan. Feel good about Iowa state having to come to Manhattan. Uh, the Texas game in Austin, that's one of those where if you find a way to upset UT, awesome. If you don't, I, I think you might have a shot to get a rematch against them in the Big 12 championship game. And K-State has lost six straight against the Horns anyway, <laughs> so I don't feel great about that one as it is. But all in all, just find a way to navigate that first half. That's, that's the big question in my mind. Can you make it through there without stubbing your toe too many times and starting three and three or two and four, you know? Yeah, Jeff, I definitely hope Kansas State finds a way to beat Texas at least once in the coming <laughs> season. Um, you know, definitely not biased here, but I, I'd be a bit remiss. There, There is plenty of reason for confidence out of MHK, but I've got to ask, there are expectations this year. And mm -hmm. here in Waco, we saw Baylor handle those terribly over the course of last year. So in a in a rather similar spot, a program that's more grinded out, that wasn't necessarily expected to be there last year, they came away with the crown. Are the expectations affecting the team, or do you foresee them affecting the team in any way? I really don't. This this team has done an immensely good job at responding. You think about just last year when they stubbed their toe against Tulane, and then you have to go on the road to face a top 10 Oklahoma at that point in time, a top 10 Oklahoma team in Norman. Everybody in Manhattan was, was selling their stock. We, we all thought, oh, this was going to be a dark horse year. And then you, you spit the bit against Tulane and everybody's just questioning whether or not this would even be a bull team. And then they have that resounding victory against Oklahoma. Uh, and then same thing, they bounce back. They, they had a tough loss later on in the season against TCU. They come back and blow out Oklahoma State. Uh, this team, I think mentally... The toughness is absolutely there. And you think about it too, it's hard to believe this is going to be year five for Chris Kleiman and company. The, the, the culture is very firmly established and entrenched in MHK. There's this really symbiotic trust that exists between player and coach. This, this is not the the taskmaster approach that Bill Snyder had. I, I think coach Kleiman is very much hands-off trust is very player friendly pro program. And he, he says it countless times you'll hear him throughout media availability during the course of the season. He always tells his players, this is your team. And they absolutely believe that they take it to heart. And, and the big, theme that you've heard coming out uh, of Manhattan this season from guys like Will Howard and the leaders raise the bar. 
the the stand you know you 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 made it to the summit last season by beating TCU winning the Big 12 championship game getting to a new year six bowl getting the opportunity to face the preeminent program in college football in Alabama you made it to that level don't fall off a cliff and the other thing too historically from Kansas State's perspective they they've seen this happen where Bill Snyder's first Big 12 championship in 03, they, they popped at what was that point, the number one team in Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. The next season in 04, you have Darren Sproles coming back. A lot of people had very high expectations about K-State getting back to the Big 12 title game, and they miss a bowl the next two seasons, and then Bill Snyder retires. And kind of the, to a lesser degree, that more or less happened after Bill Snyder's second title where K-State just kind of slowly started to taper off to seven and five, six and six, seven and five. And they were just kind of this middling program. I, I think historically that that's been seen and this team, this culture, they want to avoid that from ha- and prevent that from happening. And again, players absolutely know that this is their program and they take an immense amount of pride in that and putting it on the line uh, as far as going out week to week and competing. Coaches believe it too and they've really done a great job of propelling this program into the 21st century, putting a lot more effort and time into recruiting, trying to bring in high level classes and guys that are capable of keeping this program at a a very relevant high level. Uh, You know, They bring in the 34th ranked recruiting, uh, recruiting class this past cycle a lot of big gets in there for Kansas State. So yeah. uh, I think culture is very much established. And again, this program, uh, I think, is in poise and in a great position to to maintain the standard that they have set for themselves, which is we expect to be in Arlington. Now, as I said, you got a lot of landmines on that schedule. Can you navigate that? Can you bounce back if you do stub your toe? That's the big question. I, I think, though, they've, they've shown me that they can answer those questions. And I, I think this group is very much poised to, to defend its Big 12 title this season. Yeah, Jeff, the culture... And the the mental toughness is actually something that's noted through the Big Twelve, not just not just up there in Kansas. Yeah. Uh, in fact, in in the Athlon uh, preview magazine uh, for the Big Twelve, they had an, an opposing Big Twelve assistant coach anonymously say they're more talented than all but one or two teams, probably, and they're mentally tougher than those teams. So it it it's out there and, it, and it's known. But uh, Garrett, you had another one, right? Yeah, I, Jeff, I want to talk, like, kind of going with what you were saying with recruiting and as well as uh, the recent success that you've had to get, that K-State's had against Kansas. With Lance Leipold up there, um, have you seen, uh, like, an uptick in the energy with the Sunflower Showdown? And what are those recruiting battles like with the Jayhawks these days? There was a lot more anxiety on the Kansas State fan side. You might not get that answer out of every K-State fan uh, going into the Sunflower Showdown last year, but – it was much more palpable uh, because KU had shown itself to be much more formidable than it's been at any point over the last almost 20 years when you think about it. So uh, that that game in Manhattan had a lot more juice than it had in recent uh, recent memory. And I think fans really did revel in, in beating the Jayhawks the way that they did, getting that 20-point victory, beating them up on special teams and, and doing everything that they did en route to that 47-27 to 27 win. Uh, I still think, from a recruiting standpoint, K-State has has the edge just by virtue of the fact that Kleiman's been around a little bit longer and K-State has that proven carrot of, of success out there. This team having gone to Bulls in, in three out of the last four seasons. Uh, you have a little bit more to sell in that respect. Now, Kansas, uh, KU rather is selling this very sexy, high-paced offense that that Jalen Daniels is running, and they've got great pieces in there like Devin Neal as well to complement. So, uh, there, there's been a lot more juice here in recent memory, and, and Kansas, uh, K State did have to to fend off KU in some of these recruiting battles. Now, granted, last season they did pick up six of the top Kansas high school kids, uh, and they got the number one prospect the most coveted of all those in Avery Johnson and elite 11 quarterbacks so there, there's definitely a sense that KU is starting to encroach on that territory that was very firmly Kansas State's and honestly if you were talking about a prospect in the Kansas City area the Wichita area you were far more concerned recently with the likes of Iowa state potentially going down there and plucking that kid out of Wichita or Iowa or Nebraska or Oklahoma coming up North and and trying to snag somebody. Now KU 
I think fans do know KU is a little bit more of a legitimate threat, and that's that's putting a little bit more pressure on this group to continue to to maintain this level of success on the field because. I, I think at the end of the day, that still trumps just about anything that that a program can can offer in terms of NIL or uh, or otherwise. I still think on field success sells more than just about anything else. That's just my personal opinion, mm-hmm. and I think that's why K State does have a slight edge in some of these recruiting battles right now. I, one last thing, I think everybody as a whole um, is really excited about the new Big Twelve, and, and like even the incoming teams, we have you know athletic directors and stuff that come on on three sixty five Sports in the afternoon, and everybody is just pumped. Like, what are your thoughts about the new Big Twelve, and are there any programs of the four that you're, I'm just most excited to see or intrigued to see uh, going forward? Uh, uh, first off, as far as the new Big Twelve goes, I'm. I'm all too thrilled that it seems like we have 12 institutions and athletic programs all pulling in the same direction. And I know parity isn't necessarily fun anymore in college football. We all seem too big every at the national level. Everybody seems to care so much about the brands. It's all mm-hmm. about the brands. The TV networks just care about brands. I, I think really there's an immense amount of parity in this conference now. And I, I love that. I love going and uh, yeah, it makes the games a little bit more stressful heading into the week, but in the same breath, like you don't know, you, you, you're playing Iowa state, you're playing Houston, you're playing UCF. A lot of these games point spread wise are going to be within a touchdown there. There's going to be entry going into pretty much every game each and every week. Especially now that KU especially has gotten its act together. I, I, I love that. I, and I, I think that it's, it's showing you, coaching it's it's bringing coaching acumen to the forefront so you get to see which coaches actually do prep their guys better do have the better system and so forth do have the better culture and whatnot now uh as far as which programs intrigue me most in this new look big 12 honestly byu kind of just being out on on an island there in in the mountain time zone now that they will they be the right. only mountain program in the conference for the foreseeable future? I, I don't know, but that, that's the one I think that, that intrigues me most just because I, I think Houston, so many of the big 12 institutions already recruit in, in that area. And you kind of have a general idea of, of what you're going to get. Texas tech plays Houston a lot. A lot of the big 12 schools square off against Houston in the non-con. So it's not a program that you're unfamiliar with. You also have Dana Holgerson coaching there and he's coached, I believe it was eight years at West Virginia. So you have some familiarity there. Um, UCF too. That that's one that intrigues me as well, but I I just think BYU is just so uniquely isolated, and for cultural reasons, there's a lot of different elements at play there with BYU. But I'm I'm interested to see how they handle this transition into the Big Twelve. I I really do think UCF Houston are, are going to be the ones poised to make the the easiest jump and assimilate themselves into this new look Big Twelve. But I think BYU is going to be the one that. It might take a little bit of time. That kind of like with West Virginia, it took them a bit, took TCU a bit too. But uh, I, I, like I said, at a macro level, I, I'm all too excited to to go forward with this new look Big Twelve. You have a lot of just parity at so many different levels, uh, and I, I don't think one institution is has a higher recruiting ceiling than another. I think you know Houston, TCU, Baylor obviously have a little bit higher ceilings than some of the other just by virtue of where they're located. But still, it's a it's a very intriguing conference. You're going to have competitive and compelling football games each and every Saturday. And to me, that that's what makes a conference. That's what makes it unique. That what's that's what makes it fun. And I'm I'm glad that the 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 two big brands that I, I think we're just really more or less tearing this conference apart are are going to be going uh, to presumably greener pastures. Hey, if if you want to go and get your teeth kicked in in the SEC and and have to deal, you know, how is Oklahoma and Texas? How are those schools going to deal with going six and six or seven and five? Yeah. Can't wait to year see in that. and year out because uh, I think it, it's going to take you a bit to get used to that. So good luck. Have fun. You had a very easy path to the college football playoff when you were in the Big 12. If you want to throw that by the wayside for a little bit more cash and presumably some better home field matchups, go right ahead. But I I still think it's going to be a bit before OU and or Texas makes it to the college football playoff when they make that move to the SEC. I couldn't agree with you more, man. Like That's spot on. I think that's how most people feel. And I, you know, I think Texas might have the little edge over Oklahoma, but yeah, yeah. they're going to have a reality check when they go over there nonetheless. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I, I, I am very excited to see what Alabama that Alabama Texas game early in the non-con. Very excited to see what's going to happen there. It's going to be a big litmus test. I do feel Sark though is a has UT positioned a little bit better yep. than Venables does Oklahoma. That's that's just my two cents. But again, I just. I just can't get past the fact that, you know, you're going to have to play Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and, and a lot of these programs are operating at peak efficiency right now. And I, and it, it's, it's, it's just going to be a tough transition <laughs> in my mind. I, I just can't get around that fact. And, and like I said, I don't know how quickly people are going to pull the trigger and the sec just breaks so many programs brains too. When you, when you go seven and five or eight and four and so many people say that's not good enough, that's not good enough. Like if you're just going to, you, you can easily get yourself caught into that cycle. If we got to get somebody new, we got to get, we've got to try to stay competitive. And like I said, I just think that's going to break a lot of folks brains that they, they have to sit through a couple of seven and fives or a six and six, and then an eight and four, then back to a six and six, like, I don't know. Be careful what you wish for. Yup. He's Jeff Burkhart at Jeff underscore Burkhart on Twitter. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely, guys. Thanks again for having me on. Looking forward to the season. All right. Us too. Yeah, that was great. Jeff killed that. A lot of great insight there on the Wildcats and the Big 12 in general. But coming up next, we're going to take a look at some of the dark horses across the Power 5 conferences. And then we're going to get into our offensive playmakers and the Big 12 preseason poll. But that's coming up next here on the College Chaos Podcast. Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast here on Crystal Ball College Football. We're we're just kind of vibing with the track, right, Dude, Garrett? Ninth power's dope. I yeah. When you when are you gonna throw something down on that? Hey, we can do it whenever. Whenever. Whenever we can do it. Okay. Can't wait to see that. It's um You might be surprised. Yeah. Speaking of surprises, let's look at some teams that might surprise us here this year through yeah. the Power Five conferences. Let's look at our picks for some dark horses starting off with the big 12 so for me i, I kind of i had a, a wide variety of options here i think we both did i think if you look at the new schools coming in ucf is probably somebody you're looking at just because i mean gus malzahn's been there he's won natty so they're located in the pristine area for talent they've got that florida talent they have they've, the florida talent they've generally been as a program over the last decade or so on the come up absolutely but the team that really um, stuck out to me the most, and this is probably going to sound really weird because I've taken a dump on his lawn a few times this, <laughs> um, Oklahoma State. Yeah, you coming around on them? I, well, I'm not coming around on them. And look, I want to oh, be clear. I want to be clear them. with this. When this, when I say dark horse, when we say dark horse, I'm not saying a team that's going to come up and win the championship, right? But I think a team who, based on their schedule, uh, has an opportunity to shake things up. And I'm going a little further in some of these conferences. Well, some of them could. For the SEC and the ACC, I don't see someone that could actually possibly make a run at a no, conference title game. No. But here in the Big 12, I think I think that's a prerequisite. It's such a knife fight of a conference. It's a wide open conference. I feel like a dark horse should be able to make the conference title game. And I so you're gonna have to explain Oklahoma State to me because well, I don't have them at that standard. Okay, so obviously when you look at last year, um, once they lost Spencer Sanders, well, I guess it was at the bowl game. It was really kind of things fell apart throughout the year as a whole, just because of injuries. Yep. And Spencer Sanders, I've never really been high on him. I always thought he was kind of overrated to the turnovers and everything. Uh, but at the same time, Garrett Rangel was not it. Like I think I think <laughs> yeah. he's definitely going to be okay. Ooh. Um, but he's still got to develop. So I think they did a good job of grabbing Alan Bowen, Alan Bowman out of the transfer portal. Now, I, I know when you hear that name, especially in the Big 12, you're going to be like, eh, really? I mean, he didn't really do much at uh, Michigan. But if you go back to his freshman year, dude, at Tech, like he did, he put up some numbers. He threw for almost 3,000 yards and 17 touchdowns as a freshman. So I think given that, given the, the offense that they have, having a guy like Brennan Presley back at the receiver, I think Ollie Gordon, uh, he was probably one of my – he was I loved watching Ollie Gordon in high school. He was phenomenal uh, at the running back position. I think he could probably have a breakout season. Uh, and then you also, on the defensive side, man, you return all uh, Big 12 freshmen and all-American freshman safety. Uh, the, the Kendall kid, he's really good. But as far as their schedule, right, like you have no Texas, who I think most people are considering the, the possibly playing, being the Big 12 champion or playing in the championship. I don't think I've heard anybody that hasn't had Texas Pretty in Pretty much the title everyone game. has Texas yeah. in that title game. You also don't get Tech. 
who a lot of people are high on. I, and those are that is actually my Big Twelve we'll championship. Get, we'll get to Tech in a second. Yeah. yeah, but you get Kansas State and Oklahoma at home, mm-hmm. and it's the final bedlam. I, I know you have a bad track record there. You haven't really done well against the Sooners. I didn't I, realize how weak their road schedule. Yeah, was. yeah, it's uh, it's pretty at Iowa State at West Virginia at UCF at Houston. That's but see, and the, the that's Kevin Durant cupcake. Yeah, and here's the real caveat. Look at the four, the final, uh, the four, of the final five weeks of the season. You yeah, play all Oklahoma, of the incoming schools, and Oklahoma's the only non. Wow, that's so. When you look I'm, at that, I'm a, and look, Gundy, that, that's a good reason to look at Oklahoma State. You're 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 bringing me around a little. Gundy's got a chip on his shoulder, right? Like this is a dude. I feel like it's going to be a, and I don't want to say make or break season. I don't think that's. That's probably really extreme, uh, but his There's standards no like, like he's won seventeen consecutive uh, or had seventeen consecutive winning, winning seasons. seasons. So they, that's really the standard up there. And the way this schedule shakes out, I I could see him being a dark horse and kind of you know stirring the pot a little bit in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Now I've got a different dark horse, and real quick, I want to run through something. TCU defending champs can't be a dark horse. No, no, no sorry. Kansas State defending champs can't be a dark horse. TCU defending national runner-up can't be a dark horse. Texas Tech, I don't know if this is just an in-Texas thing, but they are They're not a in, dark horse. in the news, in the mentions, in, in my Twitter feed. They are they have too much heat on them right now to be considered a dark horse. They have too much limelight on them right now to be considered a dark horse. So they are not in my dark horses uh, group. I had, I had a group of uh, four, honestly. It was Oklahoma State, UCF, which we've already mentioned both. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, Baylor, which they they got to show us something first. They have to. We, like we're not. Neither of us is going to go. But I think that's them. A, they would make a. I think you could make an argument sense. for them being a dark horse. Yes, definitely. And uh, actually, Josh Neighbors did a couple weeks yeah, ago on our air. He he had them in the title game against Texas. My pick is is Kansas. It would it's take a bit bad. to get there. It would take some chaos, but they have the offensive talent and great scheme to go along with that talent on the offensive side to really carry them there. Uh, Jalen Daniels, obviously, Phenomenal. like he's he's going to be up there gunning for uh, first team All Big Twelve quarterback. Hopefully through the year. Hope hopefully he he's healthy. healthy. <laughs> Got to stay healthy. <laughs> Beat me to the punch. Um, their four best opponents this year are mostly at home. They only have to go to Texas. They do have to play Tech, Kansas, uh, Kansas State, and OU. But all of those are in Kansas. Like I'm liking that for them. The biggest question mark is the defense. They just don't have a lot of talent. Their roster is still thin. Oh, yeah. they, they're still not recovered from the terrible mismanagement for like a decade plus. Um, the so, But the entire defensive uh, secondary, so like the full back seven. I'm not even talking like back four. I'm right. talking the back seven. Yeah. All their linebackers and back. They're all returning. I feel like that's... They weren't great last year, but... Experience. You have experience. experience. So that's why I've got Kansas State as my Big 12 dark horse. Because I didn't realize how soft the Cowboys' schedule was. <laughs> it's still water, but like, um, yeah, I th- I think both of those schools are the ones you got to keep an eye on, and you should also keep an eye on Baylor and UCF you really if you're looking at dark horses and possibly looking to make a dark horse kind of bet. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Let's go to the Big Ten. So this is, I think, there's a few different teams that you the could good old go Western land. The good old Western I'm land. getting up there. I, I'm literally leaving after work today to go up to Wisconsin, pumped. which is why pumped. I'm taking Wisconsin as my go dark talk, horse in the why Big are you Ten. The Badgers. I mean, as much as I want to take Purdue, love me my Boilermakers. Uh, I don't know if there are many outside of Michigan, and Ohio State, many like top three coaches in uh, in anywhere across the country that are as good as the the combination of Luke Fickle, Phil Longo, the OC, and Jim Leonard, the DC. Yeah. I mean, I know Baylor fans are screaming for Jim Leonard when uh, when they were searching for a DC this offseason, and Packer fans. Yes, they my, were. My two green and gold teams. <laughs> both fan bases were like, we want Jim Leonard. The Packers didn't even fire their DC over this, like at the end of the season. The Packers fans are just so fed up with Joe Barry that they're like, give us Leonard. Give right. us Jim Leonard. Um, so yeah, they've got great Great coaches. They they brought in Tanner Mordecai to be the QB. They're going to run a more wide-open offense. And frankly, their schedule, they only have Ohio State. Every other game looks really winnable. Like, there are too many question marks. Um, if their offense can cause problems for teams like Iowa's defense, which is going to be top tier, it's yeah. Iowa. Like, But that that's one of the tougher games. So it just seems like it's lining up for Wisconsin for me to have eight, possibly nine wins. It's very, very doable, and it's funny. And that's that enough to win the Big Ten West. Yeah, and that's all I'm saying they'll do. No, yeah, and you know, mentioning that Iowa defense, I am going with Iowa as my 
dark horse. And this is a team that went eight and five, five and four last season and had arguably the worst offense ever. Uh, and it's really crazy because you have Brian Ferris who had the, the clause put in his contract where he's got to score a certain amount of points. And to do that, right? Like Man. you need a quarterback that Ultimate can actually nepotism. do something. Exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> Really absurd. That's got to be one of the weirdest <laughs> clauses that I would love to see. Like anyway, a, a I, I got you yeah. off base. But no, Cade McNamara comes over uh, as your quarterback from Michigan. Uh, he's put up solid numbers over there. He's been able to win some big time games within the Big Ten, and he's familiar with all those defenses. You return your entire offensive line, which is a big deal uh, for the Hawkeyes. But I'm kind of concerned on the defense. That's where I'm a little apprehensive uh you lose your uh the buckets award winning uh linebacker jack campbell and also lucas van ness is going to the nfl as well uh but you have a uh, solid tight end play on offense which that's kind of like uh, an iowa thing right like you have all, all these badass tight ends that can make all the plays but what's really intriguing to me is their schedule i think their schedule is favorable because their toughest games on the road are at penn state and at wisconsin Ooh. and if if you look at that game last year, they beat Wisconsin. So I think if you have a better offense, um, the defense is what it is. The defense is always going to be good. I think not. I don't think necessarily that they can win the Big Ten or maybe even get to the Big Ten title, but I think that they would make a very good dark horse in the league. Yeah. Um, I'm a little nervous about running out of time here. We're good. We're good? Okay. Then let's go to, to your homeland, your heartland. Uh, SEC. You know you like it. Yeah, I did it earlier. <laughs> I did it earlier. Right before the show, I was like, Geez, I don't know what came over me. But anyway, who should we be expecting to, in this conference, let's be real, it's not about even making the conference title nope. game necessarily. It's who's going to cause some chaos. Exactly. And here at the College Chaos Podcast, you know we love it. Who are you taking? Oh, I've got I've got South Carolina. Shane Beamer, it, look, it's a tough schedule, but they're still in arguably the weaker division. Right. And... Beamer is a coach that, like, I just know he's going to get guys running through a brick wall from him. Yeah. For him. They don't have a lot of returning starters, only five on offense, four on defense. Uh, but I just feel like they could pop up and, like they did last year, knock off a Tennessee. I don't think they're going to knock off a Georgia. Um, honestly, at this point, I'm more concerned about the, like, law right taking care of georgia's dynasty than yeah. about an actual team taking care of georgia's Whoa. dynasty um read an interesting uh, atlanta journal courier article this morning um anyway i'll send that to you later okay. but yeah shane beamer i just there's a certain amount of faith i have in him and as much as up and down as spencer rattler can be i think they're going to cause some chaos they will i just i never trust spencer rattler like he's i always thought he was one of those guys who got a little too much hype and he really never lived up to the expectation at Oklahoma, and which I mean, it's like kind of got hard. Too much hype. Exactly. And I know it's kind of hard to say that when you got freaking Caleb Williams that you're battling it out with. Uh, but, you know, he goes to South Carolina and they did have a nice run at the end of the season last year. But South Carolina is one of those teams to me that's always kind of like lost in the shuffle and they have these expectations that they just can never quite capture. They'll yeah. have some dogs every once in a while, but they just never can put it together. Who are you am, going with? I'm going Ole Miss. Okay, there I'm we go. The that, that's going to make the people in our chat happy. I think they both got Ole Miss. I'm headed to the SIP. Yeah, because we're talking about you, Paxton. I'll, I'll look, Lane Kiffin, you love him, hate him. He is hilarious. He is the portal king for a reason. Uh, you look Come at to their, the SIP. The SIP. I mean, dude, throw on some big crit, let's vibe, baby. <laughs> so, look, you got Walker Howard that you took from LSU. You brought Spencer Sanders over. Jackson Dart is – I think Jackson Dart will still be the guy. I think that's the expectation is really kind of like push him. And, and obviously, Howard's going to be the future. Uh, your wide receiver core, you brought over Chris Marshall from Texas A&M, balled out. You brought Trey Harris, who's an all-conference. Uh, USA receiver last year at Law Tech. And then, of course, the one that really got a lot of attention in our neck of the woods, Zakari Franklin. Yep. You took Zakari Franklin from the Roadrunners to Jeff Trailer, which did not sit well with my man. Oh, at that hurts. All. Uh, we, so, we like UTSA here. Uh, yeah, I'm Roadrunners all day. I'm big. I, I love Jeff Trailer and the Roadrunners. Um, but look, man, that, that cast right there is absolutely absurd. If Jackson Dart can't work with that, then son get a different occupation like will howard will definitely help you out with that yeah. and then you also have 
the benefit of the safety net and, I don't know, Quinshot freaking Jutkins at your running back. Uh, the dude's a freak. He set a program record in rushing yards last season as a freshman with fif- over 1,500. He had 16 touchdowns as well. And then a guy that I'm really solid uh, sold on, Ulysses Bentley. I think people forget oh, about Ulysses Bentley. Dude, SMU transfer? He was cold at SMU. So freaking I good. mean, how could you not be cold with a name like Ulysses Bentley you, the fourth? You have to. You got to remember the fourth <laughs> exactly come on so i think their offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch i think they're going to give a lot of defenses hell and then when you look on the other side of the ball you're going to have a new defensive coordinator coming over and golding from alabama him and um kiffin have worked together before when they were with the tide and then as far as your schedule goes this is this is why i think they can cause some chaos because you go to bama and to georgia while you're probably not favored to win either one of those games and i think everybody would probably agree bama's more likely um you have an opportunity to stir the pot and shake the the, the main teams up that everybody you're expecting to be in at all and you also host lsu so i think that that's just kind of given all of that Ole Miss is going to be fun to watch. They're going to be exciting, and I think they are a really dangerous team that can cause some hell in the SEC. Yeah, I see that. And honestly, I don't feel like there were a lot of other options. Like I feel like those are the two options, like the the one option on either in either division. Because I mean, like, you want to tell me you want to sit here and tell me Texas A and M is an actual dark horse? Like I mean, come no. on, they've got talent, but I just think everything's terrible. I think managed the chemistry there. is going to be a disaster there. Yeah, so. I think I think those are good calls for the for the SEC. Now in the ACC, I believe we have the same team we because do. again, it just doesn't feel like there are a lot of great options. It feels like there are a lot of middling programs, and then you just expect Florida State and Clemson to be playing for that conference exactly. title at the end of the year. So who's going to possibly pop up, cause some chaos, knock one of them down, bring some things into question? Garrett, I'm taking Duke. I'm taking been, Duke too. I've been. I think if you go back to it, might have been one of our first episodes we did at the show. We had JD Pakel, the homie mm-hmm. uh, from On Three On, and we Love were talking JD. about yeah, JD's awesome. And we were talking about the teams, and I asked him about Duke because I feel like Duke is one of those teams that when you have a guy like Riley Leonard at your quarterback position, um, I think people don't realize how good he is. He was the, the third uh, leading quarterback in that conference behind Drake May and Jordan Travis, who I think will probably be some of the higher drafted quarterbacks going out. Definitely. Uh, He also threw for almost 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. You have nine returning starters on offense. Uh, Your receiver, Jalen Calhoun, is a freak. Uh, He's also third in the ACC in receptions as well. And you have three other wide receivers who are good. You have dual running backs in senior Jalen Coleman and Jordan Waters. You have three offensive linemen returning. And your your defense recovered 16 fumbles, forced 10 interceptions, and they're only losing three stars. Yeah, like I, I've seen it listed me? at eight and eight, so three stars on either side of the ball uh, gone. And frankly, you've got a coach who is incredibly well respected uh, out there, Mike Elko. Yes, t- top defensive mind. Like I just don't know who else to pick. I don't see North Carolina as a sleeper. I already have questions about them this year. I don't think like gonna are they going to produce outside of Drake uh, May? No. Outside of Drake May, but beyond that, it's just. I don't, I don't I can't I can't consider them more than a surprise if they do well like yeah. a dark horse I don't have confidence in them and they're already supposed to be that like third best program in right. the ACC you really want me to say that the 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 program's supposed to be like the third best year in year out is a dark horse nah forget about it well I also think too like kind of going back with what I was saying that's with a little Ole, pedantic for me again <laughs> kind of going back to what I was saying with Ole Miss right if you look at Duke's schedule you open the season at home against Clemson so you're playing arguably the team who everybody expect them I'm, Florida I'm State. not a fan of Duke's schedule well I, I will say that I, the reason I'm saying the reason I like it is because if they are able to pull off some upsets they're going to shake up the whole aspect of the ACC right yes. they could shake off the shake up the entire playoff race if one of those upsets exactly. is Notre Dame I believe Notre Dame well, Notre schedule. Dame and then you also got Florida State on the road so I mean you have an opportunity to ruin the season for three teams who a lot of people have a lot of high praise on and I think that Duke is one of those programs that's gonna, that those teams are going to look at and be like well we should beat them right like yeah. you got to be careful with that so that's why I kind of like their schedule it, it could be a disaster obviously but if they could you know pull off an upset or two then they're gonna shake things up for the entire college football landscape yeah uh i see us agreeing on another team though here's we get to the last conference the pac-12 uh because i think they can also shake up 
the the playoff race and the national conversation. It's Oregon State, right? Yes. It's got to be Oregon State yes. of the Pac-12. Like you're bringing, it's you won double-digit games last year. You're bringing in an impact transfer in DJU, who I know he hasn't like necessarily completely won the starting job yet, but you're bringing him in. You're mixing him with a returning Pac-12 freshman of the year at running back behind He's four out of five Martinez starting O lines. Yeah, Damian Martinez. Whoo, he is cold. And frankly, the schedule doesn't look bad. You don't play USC, and it just comes down to the end of the year, Washington, and then at Oregon. Yep. And one of those is a rivalry game where anything can, can happen. So, like, I am really liking what Oregon State could do in the playoff race, especially, like, if, if they pop off, have a good year, make it to the Pac-12 title game, and then play USC. Mm-hmm. I think it's great for them because that they don't have to play them earlier in the year. Right. It helps them to get to that title game where they could then cause problems for the playoff race. No, I agree. And I think, like, people should – if some people have concerns about DJU, rightfully so. I, I would I would agree with that. But my thing is I would, I'm looking – and this is just me. So I've, I'm looking at DJU in the same light that I looked at Bo Nix. Like, Bo Nix was okay at Auburn. Like, cool. You're, you're all right. And I think DJU, like he, there was, there was flashes of greatness, right? But for the most part, there was a lot of um, just not living up to expectations. And I think when you have the fan base wanting Kate Klubnik, which, I mean, why wouldn't you want Kate Klubnik? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I think that plays into it. But I could see DJU going out there, kind of like Bo Nix did, and just having a resurgence of himself and making himself um, – put together a career that can boost his draft potential. And, and I hope he does. I mean, I, I don't wish ill on anybody. Like, I, And I know a lot of people, quarterbacks, you know, like we see it here in Waco all the time, right? Like quarterbacks catch hell from fan bases for so just unwarranted hell. reasons. So I'm not going to put that on DJU. I want him to be successful. And he also has four of the five returning offensive linemen to block for him. The tight end room is loaded. Uh, you brought in the transfer from Cal. And you got a lot of help on your defense as well. So – I think the Beavers are going to be hell, uh, and they're a team that you need to watch, and I think that they're a great dark horse for that conference. Yeah, uh, LFG in the chat actually threw out a good one for the ACC. I hadn't thought of just in terms of raising some hell in the conference. Don't expect much out of them this year, but Brahm at Louisville, he he did good stuff at Purdue. He did. And they they might up and surprise someone and still not make a bowl. Well, see, I think think Louisville and Brahm are – if this was next year, I would yes. definitely take them. Yes, I, exactly. I feel like they're a year ahead. We're on the same page. Here. But I would definitely, that is definitely one to keep an eye on. So, yeah, L, uh, LFG in the chat, that was a good shout. Um, Garrett, anything else in this segment? Any other teams you, you feel like we, we might have passed over too quickly? Uh, no, I mean, I think you could make an argument maybe for like Arizona. I know they have a really good quarterback coming back, but this just as a whole, their football program is just not there yet. I'm really intrigued by uh, Arizona State, but I think that <laughs> I think Arizona State is kind of like Louisville. I think they're probably about they're a year, year away, or two out. A year away from being from a dark really horse, two years away from possibly being a contender yeah. if the dark horse year goes well. So yeah. I, those are a couple teams. A- Colorado, I think, is just going to be a disaster. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. you know, we will see. <laughs> That's going to be fun. We have limited time here, so we're going to come back and kind of go through our skill players that we're looking at for the all big 12 preseason team. And that's coming up next here on the college chaos podcast. Welcome back into the college chaos podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you. Emory winner holding it down over there in the corner. And we're going to take a look at some of the all big 12 conference team. Because playmakers. we didn't have time to send these into the big 12 when they asked. Well, for I was on vacation and you did bring and up. You a, were you on did, vacation. You, you did bring up a good point that I had time. I could have, I just, you know, yeah, you were on vacation. On you want to enjoy your vacation. And then so. my reason is you were on vacation. I <laughs> so had, had a lot of to exactly. do. <laughs> exactly. So we kind of went over this this morning and, you know, it's debatable. It's fun. These things are, you know, they get a lot of attention and rightfully so. And I want to start with the quarterback position because this is one that I've gone back and forth on numerous times. And it's really been between Quinn Ewers and Will Howard. Um, and, you know, we heard. really, Yeah. I, yeah. Because I've got Jalen Daniels coming I, up look, for my number one. I love Jalen Daniels. I think he's the most exciting player. Those are the in top the three, though. I think hands, hands down. down, dude. Well, my yes, guy. hands down. But I think if Dylan Gabriel could get his crap together, he's not going to. And John Rice, Plumlee, I put money on he's not going to. John Rice Plumlee's one I'm interested in seeing in this league. I don't think the talent around him is good enough. It, 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 maybe so, and that's what we're going to find out with that learning curve. Uh, but no, I, I, I went with Quinn. 
Look, and Garrett, my job is to sit here and have have takes, <laughs> not waver from them until I'm proven terribly wrong, and then barely apologize if I apologize and at look, all. Look, man, that's the American way, right? That was sarcasm <laughs> for all you folks out there. I hope you got that. Anyway. So, so I, I went with Quinn ultimately uh, because I feel like, look, while how, how do you go? I, he's my third. Because he has. All right, look. If Man's got to stay healthy. I know, and he hasn't since his junior year in high school. But, like, this is it, right? Like, this is the year. Like, if you can't do it this year, son, you better find something else to do because you're not going to do it in the SEC. I'm sorry. It's not happening. Uh, oh, I thought you were talking about the NFL. <laughs> that either. Like, I mean, I, I don't know, dude. Because that's I, the thing. If he's good if he's good this year, he's going to the NFL, right? He should be. I mean, like, And if he's not think, good this year, then, like, Arch is going to be competing. Uh, Malik Murphy? Malik Murphy. I was like blanking on his last name. But yes, both of those guys are going to be pushing him for next year in the SEC when the stakes get that much higher. So So he's got to put it together this year. I just... I I hate doing this. I hate being this guy that's like, you got to show me first. But no, at this point, it, it, it is. It's, it's but so shoot, everyone knows the talents there. He actually has to go do it consistently, not just go do it once or twice. He has to go do it consistently, you know, and, and stay look, healthy. And we've seen this at Texas before, right? I think like if you go back and look at Garrett Gilbert, there were so much expectations on him, and it just he he never lived up to it. And I'm not saying Quinn is that, but I'm saying you're walking a fine line with repeating history. Uh, so I feel like this is a make or break season for him. Uh, yeah, and the the core around him, dude, is just stupid. Like, if you can't do it with that talent, then you just can't do it. Period. Yeah, honestly, I I agree with that. I just also feel like maybe the talent around him puts guys like Howard or Daniels with less talent around them who could put up similar numbers mm-hmm. and lead their team to similar success could actually put them up put them above viewers in oh, the in this conversation. Could. So that's why like that's why I have Jalen Daniels number one. Weakest roster out of the three QBs we're discussing here, KU, KSU, and Texas. And he arguably was the most consistent and most electric in his time while healthy. Right. Health is a concern there. I can't hold that against yours and not hold that against Daniels. There's just He's got that it, and I'm excited to see it. So I'm going out on a limb there and saying him because the safe pick is Will Howard. Yeah, the safe pick is the guy is. on with with like the full returning starting O line, like plenty of all conference O linemen in front of him, and he just has to have weapons who are on time and open enough because he's right. going to be accurate. He's going to get it done, and he's got some legs underneath him too. So like I I I think that's the conversation at QB really is those three. It really is. It could be a dark be horse come up but could be but we'll see uh and then so you get two running backs that you get to choose on this list and i went with a guy i went with one guy who really made an impression last year and a newcomer so let's start with richard reese i think richard reese is a phenomenal running back i had an opportunity to cover him uh when he was at belleville in high school great personality great work ethic just an all-around dude that you i mean he's great for the the locker room and then he produces on the field i think the only only question i have about richard reese is how is Baylor going to manage the carries in that running back room? Because that room has more talent in it now than it did last year. And that might be a little unfair to Tay McWilliams, who had a devastating injury and did not come back last year. That was a different... He he had one... Yeah, that that was a totally different scenario. Point being is that they were banged up last year, and Reese was able to benefit in terms of getting a large number of carries as a freshman, which was impressive that he produced that, but... If, Rick, if Dominic Richardson, the Oklahoma State transfer, and Bryson Washington, a very talented, legit-looking freshman, like if those yep. guys take carries off of him, then hopefully he can hit the same numbers on fewer carries, but he might not grow the numbers, uh, like raw numbers, as much. No, and I think that will benefit him, though. I think that when you take the, the reps and the hits away from him, you're going to see more breakaway plays. And it's not just – he doesn't just do it in the running game. He does it – he can catch out of the backfield. The blocking – I mean, he's just a solid all yeah. well. And as big of a question back. mark as the defense is for Baylor. Exactly. They, like, how much worse you could they be? The clock. <laughs> but that no, that's that's the thing is they're going to focus on the run early, and then hopefully the defense will be better where they won't be chasing games exactly. late, and they can just keep pounding the rock. Yeah, uh, but the newcomer I'm going with is Treshawn Ward. I, I think I'm really excited to watch him in the Big Twelve. You go back and look at what he did at Florida State last year. He had uh, 628 yards on the ground. He had seven touchdowns, and he looked really good against Oklahoma in the bowl game. I think you put him behind that offensive line, and we saw the success. Uh, you know, that Deuce had last year. And I think Jeff Burkhart was right earlier about pump the brakes. I don't know. I'm not expecting to see him put up Deuce Vaughn numbers, but I'm seeing him have a breakout season and be arguably, like I said, one of the best running backs in the conference. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I see plenty of potential there. Um, I'm, I definitely like, there are some potential shouts out there, you know, like, like Ward where you don't know how it's going to fit replacing Vaughn or there are guys like Cedric Baxter and a really talented team down in Austin. uh, And there are other guys in that room that could take stats and carries away from him, but there are more proven guys out there like, um, like Devin Neal at Kansas. Like you expect that offense to have to carry that team. And maybe I just sound like really high on Kansas's offensive talent right now. Which rightfully but, so. Look what they did last year. But they produced last year, and that's what I'm saying. But, I mean, you got to back it up. And I understand people, you know, year to year, defenses can scheme. You have the tape and everything. But I think the fact that Kansas is being thrown out there is beautiful, and it's great for the conference as a whole, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It really is. My, own, my only other shout would maybe be the Alabama transfer at TCU, Trey Sanders. Yes. Just because – they're gonna they're gonna be putting up numbers on offense. I just know they're gonna be putting up numbers on offense. I don't know if it's gonna be more through the air, more through the ground. Well, that offense that, is predicated on the run game. Predicated on the run game. It's the Browse offense. Yes. But we'll we'll see just where they're at and just how much that they can do. Yep. Uh, you get three receivers on this, and my I'm just gonna be peppering names in here because you you've got the big names. You know more about the receivers, but I'm gonna pepper in some some guys that are gonna make you think. Okay, so my three receivers, I got Xavier Worthy at Texas, uh, just an absolute freak show. I know he took a step back last year. That that room as a whole is really loaded uh, with Neor and Ad Mitchell, and you know you could I think you could really kind of throw any of them in the mix. But Xavier Worthy is the one who was proven in that offense while Ad Mitchell did show out at Georgia. Uh, but so I'm riding with he him. He can get open. Yeah, he I mean, can get open. 760 so yards times. last year, nine touchdowns. I no, just need to make sure he's consistent catching the ball. Yeah, that was that's that, the that's the, that was part on that, Quinn, dude. That's the weird thing about him. him he's that, got that all the talent. Weird. He's got all the talent, but this man, like the number one receiver in the conference, is one that you're like, he's just got to make sure he catches the ball. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a little, little weird to me. It's a little weird to me. <laughs> uh, so another guy I'm going with, uh, let's go with one who was in the, the league last year, Jalil Farouk at Oklahoma. I think this is a guy who you have another year in the system and talk about what, what TCU and what they do. It's almost identical up there. Uh, I think if you can get that offense going, he had a really good bowl game against Florida State. He had five touchdowns last year. I expect him to be the man this year for the Sooners, and I, I could see him really kind of balling out and being a guy that – a lot of DBs are worried about facing when they uh, line up against Oklahoma. Yeah, I see that. And I hear that. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see play out. Who's your third before I start kind of peppering mine in? So my, my third is a new guy. It's uh, Jaden Higgins at Iowa State. I think that when you lose a guy like Hutchinson, you're going to need uh, a number one receiver to step up. This is a guy who balled out last year at Eastern Kentucky. He had 757 yards, 10 touchdowns. You put him with Hunter Deckers, who I think is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the conference. I think that that could be a combo that really gives people fits now what is Iowa State going to look like with the player situation from the gambling Mm, that could be a factor yeah but just as far as like a playmaker I like Jaden Higgins a lot yeah yeah I see that he was not really on my radar I gotta say because I was looking more at guys like and this might be an easy answer Jordan Winnington down in Texas absolutely I mean all these other guys, I have concerns about, like, is Worthy going to catch the ball? A.D. Mitchell and Nayor, like, like Nayor coming back from injury. A.D. Mitchell and, like, he transferred right. for a reason. There's just – there are concerns I have about playing time and how they mesh. Jordan Whittington, I have no concern. That man is just going to go out there. Health. That's my only concern with Whittington. Okay, yes. Yes, that's fair. Um, he, but – when he's healthy, he's going to go out there. Absolutely. He's going to get open. Quinn's going to find him, and he's going to catch the ball, and he's going to run hard. Whittington is a – I – there's so many flashy guys at Texas where I'm like, okay, cool, yeah, yeah. you got all this talent, whatever, like, just win finally. Exactly. Jordan Winnington is the kind of guy who takes you to wins. He's yeah. the kind of dirty worker with talent that you're just like, oh man, I, I hate going up against this guy. Got to respect him. Yeah. So, I think he's a great, great pick for for making an All Big Twelve team. Uh, JP Richardson at TCU, the that, Oklahoma State. That's transfer. one I wasn't <laughs> thinking about, and him in that offense at TCU could be extremely dangerous. So what do you, I mean, oh, oh, you were teaming me up there. I thought you were about to go. Okay. So the Barrels offense, they're going to hit you hard, power run game, and then like throw it over the top. JP Richardson out of the slot. He's got talent around him at TCU to allow him to just pick apart teams across the middle. Chandler Morse, he picked apart Baylor across the middle. He was, he won the starting job over Duggan in the, in the fall last year, Mm -hmm. like, there's there's so many reasons, and if you watch the spring game, 
Richardson, if if Richardson was not the guy that popped to you in the spring game, I don't know what game you were watching right. for TCU because it just seemed like he is going to be that back-breaking guy for the offense. He he is going to get open in the worst way for the defense, <laughs> and he's going to take it to the house probably. So I I really like what they could do with him. My only other shout, we don't have to spend like any time on it, is because they're it's a run-heavy scheme, quarterback questions, Keetron Jackson – He's a, he's a talent. He it doesn't can. feel like I Baylor's just need to had. See it. So yeah, we have to see it. But put him on the radar. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Just the radar. I, I think another guy just to throw on the radar too is Savion Red at, at TCU. I think that he is going to be electric. I think with losing Quentin Johnson, he's almost like a carbon copy. And to see what he can do in that offense is going to be intriguing. But uh, the last thing we'll put a bow on it with this is the tight end position. And I think that you could make an argument for any of the tight ends in Baylor's room with Drake Dabney coming back, uh, Kelsey Johnson. I really like what they have there. But if you're talking pound for pound playmaker, I, I got to go Jatavian Sanders at Texas. I mean, the dude's an absolute freak. He's like 6'5", just massive, hard to tackle, great soft hands 54 receptions last year 613 yards five touchdowns he is an absolute mismatch nightmare inside the red zone and i expect him to have a breakout year yeah i got nothing else man we've we've been going we, we went over about like 10 minutes someone's <laughs> telling me that it, i am full malarkey for saying that tech can't be a dark horse i mean come tech on it's not a dark horse. they're not tech dark they're so in much. the limelight exactly like, and they're more so on the national limelight now that they're probably going to land micah hudson so there's nothing dark horse about texas tech yeah they're just, they're I, can, just I can say they're in the limelight and say i don't think they're going to win more than seven games I don't care what you say, the big Lovick. Like, honestly, it's just an opinion. It's just an opinion. I don't have to have yours. So, yeah, anyway. No, that's a good point. But so, so that's going to do it for today. We appreciate you listening, whether it's live or whether you go back and watch on YouTube. Make sure and go like and subscribe the college, uh, the Crystal Ball College Football channel, uh, as well as the uh, Baylor Bears on Sickle365.com and all the other stuff we have. Yeah, it's been a long day. Please just check out our channels. And um, if you don't like my opinion, I'm sure you'll like someone else's on here. We've got plenty of guys who are pumping up tech. Yep. And other programs. <laughs> no, but until next time, and we will not have one programming note. We will not yes. do a show next week. Jack is going on vacation. Much but needed we will vacation. be back live from Big 12 Media Days in Arlington as we do the show. We're also trying to work on a special roundtable with everybody who is on this channel. So it'll be Jack and I, as well as Grayson and Josh Neighbors coming to you live watch. from Jerry World. So yep. that's when we'll be back. But we appreciate you listening. Make sure you like and subscribe. This has been the College Chaos Podcast.